this October edition of Minutes for Christ. Today we're going to be thinking about the book of Revelation. Now that's a book many preachers avoid because it's difficult to interpret. However, with study it can provide a real vision of Christ's future world. I'm going to read to you now from Revelation chapter 4 verses 1 to eight, and in the New International Version, this portion is titled The Throne in Heaven. After this I looked, and there before me was a door standing open in heaven, and the voice I heard first speaking to me like a trumpet said, Come up here, and I will show you what must take place after this. At once I was in the Spirit, and there before me was a throne in heaven with someone sitting on it. The one who sat there had the appearance of jasper and carnelian, and a rainbow resembling an emerald encircled the throne. Surrounding the throne was twenty-four other thrones, and seated on them were twenty-four elders. They were dressed in white, and had crowns of gold on their heads. From the throne came flashes of lightning, rumblings and peals of thunder. Before the throne, seven lamps were blazing. These were the seven spirits of God. Also before the throne, there was what looked like a sea of glass, clear as crystal. In the centre, around the throne, were four living creatures, and they were covered with eyes in front and behind. The first living creature was like a lion, the second was like an ox, the third had a face like a man, the fourth was like a flying eagle. Each of the four living creatures had six wings, and they were covered with eyes all around, even under his wings. Day and night, they never stopped saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was, and is, and is to come. Amen. Well, that was some reading we heard today. In fact, we're tempted to think the author of the book of Revelation was sniffing some illegal substance. Yet, we do need to remember that the key to unlocking Revelation is symbolism. And that's never more important than here. Now, when I visit first-year students in our local school, one of their stock questions always is, what would heaven be like? Unlike Revelation, I do not choose symbolic language. Instead, I used to say, it would look like now, but made perfect. That then begs the asking of who was right. More importantly, how do we describe our own ultimate destination? Specifically, how can we imagine heaven? Well, in my own defence, deep down, there are many hidden parallels between John's and my attempts at description. Let me explain how. Firstly, the one on the throne was surrounded by sparkling jewels and colours. In other words, the whole scene was one of unapproachable light. Perhaps we need to remind ourselves the first laser beams were produced with ruby rods. 
Laser light, you'll remember nowadays, cut through steel and bounces signals off the moon. Lasers, then, are of almost unbelievable power. So, too, my idea of heaven as a perfected creation requires a power beyond our imagination. However, that level of energy surely does not lie in the physical world. For its source, we need to look at the whole realm beyond. We need to have faith in a God's laser to cut through all the messiness and badness and randomness of our own life experiences and surroundings. We need to put our faith in a limitless divine light. Okay, I'm with you so far, you may say, but what about those elders on thrones? Was this a heavenly meeting of church leaders? Perhaps better we see this as a pointer towards order. But if we do wish to bring in a better world, it must be in terms of greater order, not by dictatorship or authoritarianism, rather the introduction of the order of God's will. For so much of the troubles of creation come through disorder. Some of this comes from human malevolence and failure, but also imperfections and chance events blight lives, cause suffering to creatures and damages the universal environment. That in essence is why Jesus gives us hope, since we see that despite his struggle, passion and death, his life contained a kernel of perfection. And it's that oasis of peace that makes us hunger and thirst for his companionship. For if he discovered heaven and earth for himself, he will give it to us. And with that gift, we can improve the world towards God's order. Moreover, with Christ we can hold on to just enough heaven for each of us to live each day by. That then leaves us with the four living creatures. Now, living in heaven or not, their description, I would suggest, we would not like to meet them on a dark night. However, again, symbolism rules. What actually symbolic creatures signify is debated by theologians. Some suggest they are guardians of a throne and our approach through worship. Others, that they represent all of God's creatures. Certainly the eyes represent the omnipotence of God seeking out the bad and protecting the good. And it's here I feel called to chip in my tuppence worth, for I know the book of Revelation was written before the canon of the New Testament was agreed at Laodicea in the 4th century AD. But I often think of these four winged creatures as the four Gospels, since there can be no better place to start to find the perfection of Jesus than in these works. Through them we see the way we can make ourselves more perfect, because through the life and preaching of Christ, we know the order that God wants, and that his will will prevail, even in the most trying of circumstances. Today, who can doubt that the world around us is in desperate need of a sprinkling of God's indescribable light? We all need a hint as to how to bring an order of goodness into our here and now. There has never been a greater desire to have hope in the per perfection offered by Christ, to defeat badness, defeat flaws, and defeat randomness. Because as I am writing this sermon, 39 bodies have been discovered in a locked lorry. As a spokesman for the British Refugee Council said, there are human beings here. They were with 
the same feelings and plans and dreams as ourselves. These humans then were exploited and ultimately killed not just by ruthless traffickers, but also heartless economic systems bound to a false order, a false order not in tune with God. Let us then seek in our own heart the perfection Jesus had at his core. Let us read the Gospels, ready to be flooded by a life that's beyond our description of resisting. Let us be inspired by the vision of a creation brought to order by the power of Christ who triumphed over the chaos of death. Therefore, let us be ready to accept there is much we cannot understand in the vast depths of God. But let us also agree his power will not fail, that his will does succeed, and that we have that power source at our fingertips, ready for a better life lived out in a far better world. Amen. Let us pray. Worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honour and power, for you created all things, and by your will they existed and we were created. In this truth we follow you, in this hymn we sing you, in this wonder we live for you, in this vision we see you, and in your voice may we speak. Amen. Well, that comes to the end of our time together for this month. So until we meet again, may the blessing of God the Father, Son and Holy Spirit go with you and yours. Amen. Thank you.